welcome back to Talk Talk. I'm your host, Emily Osan, and I'm here today with theater teacher Bob Shear, and we're here to talk about Prompt 11, Can New Knowledge Change Established Values or Beliefs? I'm curious, Bob, why did you choose this question? I guess it's the vortex of issues that I was chatting about with my sister who lives in the UK, um, and it just seems to be in the ether. I was thinking, well, what's new for, for me, for us, or for my generation? At the moment is the use uh, of pronouns, and then related to, of course, the trans movement. Mm. Uh, and that feels very new. Even though gender has been around a long time, um, and, and knowledge about gender, this, this feels like new knowledge to me. Yeah, I don't interesting. Know if we yeah. need to define that further. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So the interest, like, it's it's a real-world issue that we're dealing with, this idea of how we talk about gender, what gender means, and just that challenge of the concept of gender as we've known it over time, right? Cool. Okay, so thinking about new knowledge, we can also think about then the other part of the question is, like, what are some of the established beliefs or values around that concept that, that we can talk about? For me, I kind of jumped onto social media because the surrounding the issues of gender and the discussions and conversations about gender is how we talk about these things. And then that sort of made me think about social media. Uh, and we've, we've just been chatting about refining when social media really started kicking off. So obviously with Facebook and then the mid-2000s for Instagram and um, uh, Twitter, Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that made me think. Well, that I grew up in in where silence was valued. It's been haunting me. Um, you know, children are seen and not heard. I mean, I'm sure we, oh, we might have yeah. heard that before. And growing up as a Catholic, you know, the great silence, lots and lots of silence everywhere. Yeah. Particularly, of course, with you, you never doubt a priest. You you never question a priest. They are untouchable. Mm-hmm. Um, so hold, let me just pause for a sec because so that's an interesting like perspective that that comes from your particular culture and your upbringing yes. unique to you right not I wasn't raised with those similar values or beliefs I did come from a religious background where there were certain values around like marriage and relationships and gender roles that are maybe similar because uh, Christian traditions even you know across uh, different uh, types of Christianity, whether it's um, Baptist, Protestant, Catholic, so on. There are some shared values. It's interesting we're talking about religion. Um, That does make sense, though, because we're talking about values, and a lot of values are based in religion. Thinking about that, those established values or beliefs, are you saying then that now those are being challenged or have been challenged, and you've seen that change because of new knowledge? Yeah, I, I'm probably being melodramatic. Sorry, drama teacher. I've seen them. I think they're smashed to smithereens. <laughs> they're not just changed. They're... Yeah. So absolutely so, silence. That's not a thing we hear now. Like children are to be seen and not heard. That that's no. been smashed for sure. I mean, there are ironies with our online. Uh, how much time you know, um, students are spending online? Younger people. Mm. Uh, making them more silent. Mm. Um, But then when we jump onto social media, it's not silence in terms of words and language and expression and opinions and groups and allying. Um, It's loud Mm. and strong. So, yes, so so I think that that if we accept um, the culture of silence as a value, Mm. it certainly certainly was valued. 
um, it's not anymore. Um, and now it seems to be, which is excites me and gives me a lot of hope, that if something is seen to be unfair, we question it, mm-hmm. or we discuss it, or we hold the key people who are believed to be key people accountable, mm-hmm. and it's not brushed under the carpet, and we don't keep quiet about it yeah. anymore. And that's, I think, a, mainly, I think, a wonderful thing. I yeah. mean, the Me Too movement, I think, has been a wonderful step forward, a huge step forward, and now, of course, there's a step backwards in America. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you're talking about silence, and some of the social media platforms have amplified voices to a really great extent that then silences other voices. We were talking about that just a little bit earlier with some of the controversy around, you know, we were talking about J.K. Rowling and the yeah. controversy around that. And it's a very tenuous stance to take in regards to, like, do you uh, see what she was saying or can you, or was she just, is she just transphobic and wrong? Um, and, and I think I'm worried about that idea about silence um, because, like, on one hand, we don't want to amplify voices that are hateful, right? Yes. I think that's, but on the other hand, we don't want to shut down all voices that are speaking out, you know, just speaking what they think. Because I think having those range of different perspectives, whether we agree with them or not, are really helpful to changing or to, to progressing what we know. And I think that's where the new knowledge underpins social media mm-hmm. in terms of how we are socially organised now online. Mm-hmm. Yeah which is new, yeah. that's had a huge effect. So if we go back to J.K. Rowling, it gives us something very specific to talk about. And I imagine out there there are people that would want to shout us down immediately, yeah. even for mentioning that name. But why? Um, I'll come back to why. This very successful woman who's created this incredible universe yeah. that's entertained millions of us for many years now yeah. and is all over every platform... That, that she needs to be shut down, she needs to be cancelled. I think, I think that the whole idea of cancel culture is related to this question about new knowledge changing established values or beliefs because on one hand we need to smash those institutions that are... Well, have found to be corrupt. I mean, there's evidence for this. They've been found to be corrupted. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so we do, need to, we do need that. But then on the other hand... We have this question about like the artist or the the maker, and that being separate from what they make. We need to be able to distinguish between the artist and the artwork, right? Or the maker and what they've made. And in this case, like J.K. Rowling and her works, do we need to now disappreciate her works because? Her comments, or are we able to just say that's this, this is that? Well, there's evidence that people are not able to separate J.K. Yeah. Rowling from her works. Yeah. Uh, her latest film, you know, not being anywhere near as successful oh, as some right. of the earliest films. Obviously, there were other issues too, with uh, because of Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. John Depp's involvement, oh, and then his involvement in and needing to be cancelled. I mean, the list is Uh, long of all the cancelled people and all the things. On the one hand, uh, it's good because to try and shut out out or reduce the effect of toxic voices, but then who deems them toxic is the other question here. I mean, we have that that same issue with, like, history and tearing down sculptures and and names off of buildings. Uh, That's 
that uh, about people who were like, especially in the U.S., it's a massive movement right now to remove, particularly people who were on on the wrong side of the Civil War, and those names that are left up on buildings commemorating really racist people. It's a tricky thing. We as a culture are developing this sense of value, or at least in in mainstream culture, we don't want to value racism and, and sexism and all these different prejudices. And so looking at it with that lens, if we look back at everything that we've, we've known and we apply that new lens, we then have to change what we know about those things, right? So it's kind of that inner relationship as well where our, our values, our beliefs are now influencing what we know and creating a form of new knowledge. Yes, it's really hard to, to pull apart mm. uh, the distinctions uh, between what affects what here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I mentioned the word vortex before. I, th- I think it really is. That is really... It's spinning around. That kind of relationship, yeah. Uh, but, and with that, there's a, there's a lot of good. I, I think, personally, if I can express an opinion, it more good is being done, but it does alarm me, if, if we can return to J.K. Rowling. Uh, it worries me that, along with all the new knowledge about gender... What happens to the old knowledge? And I'm thinking of the the feminist fight mm. against patriarchal forces. Is that in danger of being reduced because of new knowledge? Mm. I was talking to my sister who lives in England and works in a university, also in theatre. She expresses great concern about being called an owner of a uterus mm. instead of a woman. Mm. So, and whether that reduces voices and whether that push, pushes people back out of sight again and then whose voices are being brought into the spotlight instead is new knowledge actually uh, changing established values or are those old established values patriarchy continuing in slightly newer forms in subtle ways well i feel like the answer in some ways to this whole question about like can new knowledge change established values of beliefs is something about like well yeah of course it can and of course we would want it to But we also, you know, if we find out something new that challenges something that we previously valued or believed, then logically we would want that to have some impact. We wouldn't want to just disregard it and uphold our established values if it was in conflict with a new piece of knowledge. So yes, it can and it should. But then I I hear you also kind of raising a point about like, yes, it can and it should, but what do we do with the old knowledge? Is it important that we're replacing it? Does that mean we need to discard old values and old beliefs? Or does it just get more complex? Do we discard old values and old beliefs or do we make them more complex? Ideally, of course, there's room to be more complex. There should be. And we have to fit in new generations and their knowledge and their values, which are not necessarily going to be the same yeah. as mine, and I have to remember that. Mm-hmm. So from what I understand, uh, for many people in up-and-coming generations, the, there is a, a new value for expanding notions of gender, ideas about gender and classifications of gender, and that's held to be very important and welcoming in other genders. Yeah. So I'm on the, I'm, I'm a gay man on this, so obviously on the LGBTQI+. Mm-hmm. It's getting complex, it is. <laughs> but this is a good thing. 
and I have to be aware that there's so much else out there too that people want to be included. Because we don't want to keep that culture of silence no. going. No. And that's there's no one benefiting from that except for those already in power or perhaps no one even. And I'm hoping that new knowledge... It changes, but then I think, unfortunately, with human rights, it's a fight that changes once, Mm -hmm. and this is happening in America, clearly, at the moment, with the states that are now banning or wanting to ban or on the way to ban women's right to abort. So it seems to be going in circles. So the fight needs to carry on with every new generation. You can never say that something's changed. It changes back again. That's a part of, like, of knowing anything, right? There's... We never were going to have, like, a piece of something that we're like, yes, this is it. We no longer need to seek knowledge about this. We know it. Yes, and so there's a big question. Can new knowledge change established values or belief? Or will it just be a phase? So the the fascination and frustrations that many people feel about using pronouns, for instance, it seems to be something very important, particularly, I think, for up-and-coming generations. Um, It's a way of expressing, but for how long? Yeah. Will it just be for a year, two years, five years, ten years? Will it it continue or not? That's going to be very interesting. Or will it be dropped? I think that's a really interesting example because it's it's funny, people get so irritated by needing to think about pronouns they're such a small thing and what strikes me is that they're such a small thing and yet they are so meaningful or potentially hurtful to someone and so yeah it's a little bit odd and a little bit takes a little bit of adjustment but if it really makes that big of a difference then gosh by all means let's let's not hurt people let's go on with it it's not that big of a deal is it well, it's kind of, it's quite joyful, too, to be able to take charge of language. Yeah, that's true. For you. Ownership of language. Owner, ownership of your language yeah. is, is pretty important. And there's that idea that language yeah. is not fixed and never will be, mm. can't be fixed. It mm. will evolve and, um, uh, and morph according to the needs of society. And it's a great example, actually, the word they as a piece of new knowledge and like how that word now has slightly different meaning. In a sentence, when you're talking about, oh, they were going to the grocery store, whatever. It doesn't now only mean a group of people were going to a grocery store. It could mean they, a person who doesn't identify as a particular gender, is going to the grocery store. That's but, a seemingly trivial thing, and it, yet... It's this, it's this uh, cusp, it's this battle between an impersonal pronoun now being a personal pronoun. So, yeah. I mean, it still is personal. Yeah, isn't but it? what a cool concept. I mean, that yeah. does, that's a really great example of like new knowledge of a specific, seemingly trivial word, challenging or changing established beliefs, values of beliefs. That is the nature of knowledge at at, at its core, that it is constantly being added to, changed, developed. And, And anyone that really wants to cling tightly to an established value or belief is essentially holding on to something that is dead. Exactly, yes, and there are so many examples of, of things that have become dead. Yeah. <laughs> like slang, so you know, what, what is correct English yeah. and the correct forms of English and, yeah. and sl- how slang changes uh. with every, every, new, every new group that pops in and the things that we include now. I'm going to use strong language here. My hatred of, of the use, that was a good read, that was a good <laughs> bake, that was... <laughs> thinking, no! no. 
was a good read? You know, like that thing? No. I enjoyed that novel. I mean, and I know oh. I'm hanging on to something that's dead, you know. But I do think these things are... At least it's you're hanging on to something that's harmlessly dead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's harmlessly It's not going to hurt anybody. No. It's just yeah. my little irritation. But I do think, like, actually, the, there are a lot of people that hang on to what they see as fundamental values. And it, it's terrifying, really, to think of how much it can hurt people, the potential for harm. And, it, it, like, we're talking about trivial things like having a good read. This isn't hurting anyone. So go on, hold on to that dead knowledge all you want. <laughs> but, but then when we are talking about gender, lives have been lost or t- devastated because of that. And that, I think, makes this a really powerful question. Can new knowledge change established beliefs? Yes, it can, and it probably should sometimes. Definitely. Yeah. It does make me nervous for, because being on the, the LGBTQI plus uh, spectrum, I always feel at, at risk. Yeah. Um, and I don't know um, how you feel as a, as a woman. Yeah. Um, does that feel at risk? Uh, I'd need to ask a, a cis man. Yeah. Do they feel at risk? I think it's, um, you're, you're, what you're talking about too is that like sort of all the intersections, yeah. intersectionality between like all the different factors that put you somewhere on the spectrum of having power or having access to power. I think the more of those intersections you have, like whether it's like your gender, educational level, the country you're from, the language you speak, all those different intersections put you at different levels of risk. And absolutely, as a woman, if you if you ask me, do I feel at risk? It kind of depends on the circumstance. Right now, no, fine. But there are certainly certain places I would never go or I would never want to be. And if I was a cis man, uh, particularly if I had a lot of money or if I had a lot of great education, I would feel a lot less at risk in those circumstances. Um, yeah. Yeah, because there's still so many parts of the world where, where that's... Patri- patriarchy is uh, protected. Mm-hmm. And not that patriarchy is always bad. No, it's definitely not always. But it, it does loom. <laughs> I think it's the values or beliefs that go along with that system. Yeah. Because patriarchy or matriarchy, neither one is inherently bad or good. It's just a way of organizing. But I think what you're talking about is not the way of organizing. You're talking about all the beliefs that go along with that and the customs and the traditions and the expectations that go along with that. And that probably has been challenged, has been changing. And just coming back around again, to the, uh, we started talking with the, the great silence. You know, the, oh, yeah. the silence was valued. And then thinking about what's talked about in different countries and what's mm, not. Yeah. Um, when I moved to a nearby country, I will say Singapore, um, lived in <laughs> Singapore for four years, but when I moved there with my partner, we asked our real estate agent, we just came up because we got along, I said, how do, people, how do people feel, like what's the general feeling towards homosexuality yeah. in Singapore? Yeah. And her, her response was, given that it's an individual, but she was at the moment she was representing uh, Singapore, she said, well, we don't have a problem with it. We just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. That seems like a very, uh, not to overly stereotype, but I feel like that's been very much true in China and Hong Kong as well, where it's just not really discussed. It's not that it's um, illegal or legal or it's just we just don't talk about it. And that's okay. That's just how it's dealt with. And I think that's very true with also with trans uh, transgender and ent- the entire concept of gender mm. in uh, these Asian countries we're speaking of. Um, 
it also like you know American military had the don't ask don't tell policy for decades or I don't even know how long it was only recently where that's been changed and then of course the in Florida's got the don't say gay right oh and that's new again yeah, and who drives that yeah. is, is, is very is a very interesting question. Like, who's once again whose values and whose yeah. beliefs yeah. are the, are the, are being represented there? Kind of coming back to that idea of like who, um, whose values and whose beliefs and what knowledge. I think it does really depend very much on the culture you're in. Some of the values may be worth keeping, and some maybe need to be changed. And that's the power of. Of social networks, social media, when, when, when it's doing good, yeah. is to hopefully increase some of that pressure and raise the profile yeah. of issues. We clearly, uh, it does affect change. Yeah. Coming back to that main idea that like that, that is the nature of knowledge, is that it is to change and it is to revise and add on and, and discard. I think that leaves us at a really nice... Yes. <laughs> All right, cool. We've come through the vortex. We have come through the vortex. We're still in the vortex. Wow, we're not going anywhere. Um, and on that note, let's go get some coffee to survive this Yay. vortex. A rainy day, my gosh. <laughs> Thank you so much t- for meeting me on um, Black Rain on a Friday, Friday the, the 13th. 13th. Thank Lovely. you, Mr. Yeah, it's so awesome.